0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: They have won the Rachel Heyhoe Flint Trophy. Well,
0: haven't we witnessed some absolutely sensational Test cricket, Ash Gardner? Take about.
1: welcome to storylines the women's cricket podcast for the first of our women's premier league breakdown episodes and well we've had some pretty insane games so far nikki let's just get straight into it because we've got no time to waste here delhi capitals versus mumbai indians was that the best ever opening game to a competition in the history of cricket i'm gonna put it out there oh a statement melissa i honestly like (laughs) that was after the
0: opening ceremony like i was like wow this game has to be good because like the opening ceremony i'm not sure if you managed to catch glimpses of it but like those guys who performed were like big bollywood stars and the whole thing just looked ridiculous as in like a good ridiculous and i was like this game has to be like it needs to like live up to the like opening ceremony and my God, it did. Like, What would
1: be the equivalent performer if it was in the UK? Like, what kind of music artist would be the same scale?
0: You are talking, like, Beyonce. Harry Styles. Yeah, like, you are talking that sort of level. Like, the thing is, obviously, like, you don't really get... That's a long story, but, like, it's more so, like, with the artists, as in the, the actors, as opposed to the singers in india but that's a different story but yeah it, it was really big like when i saw the list um of names announced being like who's performing i was like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: well it truly was a competition with surprises from the start so for a bit of a run through through that first game Delhi capitals they batted first and scored 173 for six it was a slow start i was panicked because they had just three runs after the first two overs and then Shafali verma was bowled by Shabnim ishmael And I was starting to go, oh no, this may not be the exciting game we want, but in comes the perfect woman for the situation, Alice Capsey. She loves the big stage. She loves just... She loves the spotlight. Literally. And she comes in with a brilliant 75. And if anything, a brilliant partnership with Jemima Rodrigues. Because I've, I've got a theory about kind of what happened here, Nikki. Because obviously the Mumbai Indians, coached by Charlotte Edwards, we go on about it a lot, but she's just a brilliant coach and really good at bowler management. And last year, Mumbai Indians did not look under pressure pretty much at all throughout the whole competition. But this year, first game... It was almost like Alice Capsi was just blowing them away so much. They forgot about the risk that Jamima Rodriguez posed and they just kept bowling slot outside the off stump and she was whacking it away for four. And before you know it, she's on 42, Capsi's on 75. And you know, they've put together a really, really good score with Marizine Caps coming and hit some bombs at the end. Like, I'm not used to seeing this Mumbai Indians bowling lineup under pressure.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I think what, like what you said, they kind of went a bit lax though, didn't they? So like Jemima Rodriguez literally had like was bowled to her slot literally as she came in. So there was not so much of her having to like figure things out for herself. She could literally go in and she pretty much went off the bat straight away.
1: And when you look at the bowling figures, Amelia Kerr, she was expensive, 43 off her four overs. She did pick up two wickets, although we'll come to it very shortly. She did make up for it in the Mumbai Indians second game. But then Hayley Matthews with her off spin and Pooja Vastrika also went for ten and a half and nine respectively and over. So you can see why the Delhi Capitals got to such a, a comprehensive total of 174 to win. But I don't think we could have foreseen that second innings because there was a brilliant 57 from Yastika Bhatia, who I just think showed so much maturity at the top of the order, particularly after Hayley Matthews' early departure and all the runs Hayley Matthews scored last year. So you had a brilliant batting display from Yastika Batia. Harmon Preet Kaur got some much-needed ret- well runs and a return to form because she's been having quite... The, the the dry patch in terms of batting,
0: yeah, and I think there was a point in that, obviously in that second innings, when you thought that there was a chance for Mumbai Indians to come back with when Natsavebrun got the wicket of uh, Meg Lanning, so she, that interrupted the partnership with her and um, Alice Capsey.
1: Yeah, so th- th- there was points. I, I mean, it was a game certainly which which ebbed and flowed, and you have all these moments where you're going, "Oh, Mumbai are going to run home with it," but actually, you've got the big wicket here. But in the end, Sajivan Sajana on debut. Hit a six to win the game. They needed five runs to win. She came in for the final ball of the game, having had the Indian captain, Harman Preet Kaur, bowled just the delivery before. Five needed to win her debut game. And she hits a six. Alice Capsey bowling bear in mind. So Alice Capsey's probably gone from feeling so great to like the most devastation ever. I was driving to cricket training on Friday watching this I was late to training because I was sat in my car watching it going is Sajana gonna hit a six off this final ball and I just like I'm so happy for her but I'm so jealous because that is the cricket fantasy I sometimes like almost I dream and I try I get to sleep dreaming that I'm like one day it will happen but like it was just amazing. And what, like, what a game to draw people in. You mentioned the viewing figures in our last podcast where we previewed the WPL. But like, you know, there was so many eyes on this opening game and it was just such a cracker.
0: It was honestly, I think, for as opening games go, you couldn't ask for a better one.
1: So on to the next game between RCB and the UP Warriors. Now, it was the RCB's first game at their home stadium. And really... Didn't start too well for them because there was no more runs for Smriti Mandana. She didn't have a great IPL last time. There was lots of questions about whether the pressure of captaincy was getting to her. But there's just one innings. We're not going to panic yet because we know she's a classy batter. But there was runs for Indian batters with Magana and Gosh, who I genuinely really think needed an in, in innings like this where she, she got a half century. And I don't know whether this is just me because I have this with... Tim David as well. He was always one of those players who every time I watched them play, I never see them get any runs. And Rika Gosh is that for me. I've never seen her get any runs. And when it was happening before my very eyes, I was like, this can't be true. Like I felt so blessed. It's happening. It's actually happening. It, but it was it was great to see those kind of, you know, two Indian batters really set up that foundation for RCB. When there's so much focus and, you know, we focus a lot on the, the international players and the big overseas players. But in the end, they got RCB up to 157 for six. Now, in reply this time, it was the same equation. It was five needed off the final ball. The chance of that happening, I I don't even know. But the defending team came out on top. RCB won by two runs. The highest score from the UP Warriors was Grace Harris with 38. Also RCB's first
0: win in the Women's Premier League.
1: Yeah. So, you know, home crowd, a first win. And against a team where UP, you look at them and they are stacked full of overseas talent because with the four they played, they still had Danny Wyatt and Shamari Atapatu on the bench. But I just don't know whether like, they've almost got a dilemma for how many overseas options they've got. I've got a couple of questions for you, Nikki, about the UP Warriors because I think they're an interesting team to dissect. Is Alyssa Healy as as captain potentially a bit of a restriction for UP Warriors, or could she be? Because I've been I've been crunching the stats. And essentially, in T20s, she's, she's had a bit of a golden period between 2018 and 2020, where she scored five centuries, 3,062 runs in 93 games. So half her career runs were in a third of her games. But since then, her average has dropped down to 23. She had two good innings in last year's WPL, especially 96 not out against RCB. But in the 20 innings since the last WPL, she's had a high score of 58 and she's just got two half centuries. Worse, she's had 13 scores under 20. Like, we know, obviously, we've discussed in the Ashes last year the effect of captaincy on, on Alyssa Healy potentially as well. But because she's captain, let's say the runs don't keep flowing. Do you think she's the kind of person who would put her hand up and say, look, I'm going to drop myself. We've got two openers waiting in the wings. Should we bring them in?
0: I think potentially she would because I think she's very much a team player. But then again, I think it's more than just that she brings to the side, right? She brings the wealth of knowledge and the experience she's played with. Yes, she might not have a good day with the bat, but her cricketing smartness and her experience, what she can bring to the game or a situation or how she may handle it, is probably bigger than the fact that maybe she just only got 20 or 30 in a game and she didn't come back. That's true.
1: Okay, I'm going to flip this then instead of Alyssa Healy. Now, I just want to caveat that this is not some anti Australian kind of vendetta I've got here, but let's look at Tully and McGrath now. I think I'm <laughs> sensing something strong. Maybe I've this. just had a stressful day at work, Nikki, and I've decided to take it out on the Australian women's team. No, I haven't. I think they're a brilliant team full of. Very talented individuals. But in terms of McGrath as a T20 player, again, I've been crunching the stats, Nicky, on the bus. I hope you're proud. That you're on the bus? Well, I'm not I'm not currently on the bus, but I was doing this on the bus. I thought you are proud of me that I was on the bus. <laughs> I've just got a bus in my living room and I'm on it now. Just, I have a passion for public transportation. <laughs> TFL.gov.uk. <laughs> See it? Say it. Sorted. Right. <laughs> Tally McGrath. So she first played in the 2015-2016 season, didn't dominate very much, you know, to grab the headlines. But her top score before 2022 was 65 not out. In 2022, she scored a couple 90s, and then last year's WPL, she was really, really good. She was the third highest run scorer fourth best strike rate. She scored five 50s, including a 90 out against Delhi Capitals. Everyone was like, this is it. This is Talia McGraw. We've prophesied she's going to take over everything in Australia. She's going to dominate the world. She then went on to get 60-0 out and 65 against quite a weak West Indies team. However, since then, in the 22 innings since, she's got a highest score of 38. And this year, her highest score is 24. Meanwhile, her bowling... Before her injury, she really seemed snappy, but now she really bowls her full allotment of overs and she's going at quite, you know, an expensive overrate. But again, UP warriors have almost backed themselves into a corner because they obviously released Shabnam Mishmail who's gone over to Mumbai Indians they kept Lauren Bell who then got withdrawn to go play in this New Zealand series and they've ended up with a really strange squad dynamic where most of their bowlers the balance isn't quite they're there they're just slow bowlers and so I do feel for Healy in that respect that almost McGrath is a, undroppable because she she offers that seam option but as I don't know I think there's there's going to be a few question marks for, for UP Warriors and this feels like a really personal thing against UP Warriors again, but why are they batting Eccleston so low? She batted at nine in the game today when we're recording here on Monday.
0: Nine. Yeah, I'm like, I understand like she'd bat on the like lower middle order, but nine I think when she is capable of hitting the ball a long distance is, does, it doesn't make sense. I just
1: think she could be
0: used. I'd probably bat her at like a seven. Like
1: I mean, six, you can seven. either tell her to go be a you know a pincher to see what she can do, but also I think she's got so much potential to be a, a better batter than what she's regarded as because she's powerful as well. She's strong. I just think maybe she doesn't back herself to almost have that batter's brain. And, you know, when a player perceives themselves just to be a bowler, maybe it doesn't inhibit them, but I think she's got all the shots. She just needs that backing from the coaching team. Yeah, but I think
0: we... Like shouldn't also just assume that she's, like it's a thing that she that's been put on her to bat at nine. There could be more to it as well, obviously. But depends. See what happens. There could be giving it a run just to see how the initial few games go, and then things could change. But I would expect to see Eccleston around, like batting, like probably six, seven.
1: Should we get a tracker on it, Sophie Eccleston batting order tracker, where we'll slide her kind of up and down across the tournament and see see how it ends up.
0: Yeah, I feel like. With Eccleston, you'll be like, get your pads on. You can go in anytime. You're a floater. A
1: bit like a Liam Livingstone, but who actually gets runs. <laughs> Brutal, brutalness. On to the third game, which was on Sunday. It was the Gujarat Titans versus Mumbai Indians. Our first exposure to the Gujarat Titans this season, and. It kind of looks like there's still some, some flaws in that squad based off their their first performance in particular. I thought their fielding was quite poor. I mean, there was pressure from the start because Ishmael took three for 18 and pretty much stunted their innings. She bowled so well. She bowled so well. And I just, if I was UP Warriors watching that, having sat her on the bench basically the whole of our season, I'd be crying. She's just taken three for 18. She's so good. But there was a li- little bit of later resistance from Catherine Bryce, who got 25, not out. Big up Scotland. And Camwa, who got 28 as well. So they got the Gujarat Titans to 126 for nine. A bit of a struggle for Amelia Kerr. A comeback from those not great bowling figures in the first game because she got four for 17. That's the normal performance you expect. Those googlies were coming out so well as well. Absolutely ripping. It just shows how unpredictable T20 is. Weirdly, the the star of last season, and of course, you got her call-up to the India team in that series against England, uh, Saika Ishak, she only bowled one over. But I guess it just shows that Mumbai Indians have so many options. And really, Mumbai Indians, they never chased it with ease because they did lose five wickets in the process, but they did win. Uh, Harman Preet Kaur got 46 on that. Amelia Kerr got 31. It was never really enough for the Gujarat Titans. and I mean, Mumbai Indians, two wins out of two, not with, again, not with ease, it required a six off the last ball and lost a few wickets in that second game, but they are looking on top form as they were last year. I kind of want to talk about the scores at this point, because we've seen a score in the 170s in that first game, and then around one 157 mark, and then obviously a bit of an inadequate score posed by the Gujarat Titans what do you kind of think is is going to be a good score across this competition or at least the first half of this competition as the games are played at the Chinaswamy Stadium
0: I think bearing in mind that the size of the Chinaswamy is actually it's a a really small stadium like I've been there and I was like eh like it feels like you're looking at it in a magnifying glass like it's really tiny um so yeah I don't think scores like 150 would be Good enough at all, unless obviously depending on conditions or if something like that comes into play a bit more weather etc but you 'd definitely be wanting to look at the 180, 190 mark to at least put yourself in a comfortable position with less pressure
1: well we certainly saw a couple years ago when India and Australia played those t that over two hundred was a you know a competitive score because you have these players like grace harris and mara cap who can come in and give it an absolute whack and these are good surfaces you, you, with the the lack of cricket played on it the pitch shouldn't really deteriorate that much
0: yeah and i think like definitely 200 plus means like as a side defending it then you could at least you have more confidence as well so 190 you'd probably be like okay you're gonna have to really be a bit tight initially and like squeeze and then 200 plus you can still at least be like if you, You know, like you can, you're not going to be as uptight.
1: Well, particularly as the teams get more settled because you expect slightly lower scores at the start of the competition because they don't have as much time to kind of get together as a team. But it was strange. Alyssa Healy made comments after today's game saying that, you know, the games come so thick and fast. They don't have time to train. It's about your attitude on the pitch. And that was, you know, crazy that you're playing this competition, but the players are saying, look, we don't have time to train. It's almost just back your skills, play the moment, and just, you know, you basically have to acclimatize so quickly to these conditions. And I'm sure the teams will. I, I'm I'm expecting to see scores go up a- across this first week. And to the final game, which we're talking about in today's episode, today's game, Delhi Capitals versus UP Warriors. I thought this was going to be such an evenly matched game, Nikki, because I looked at the two teams and I was like, oh yeah, this could be really good. But then it kind of showed that UP Warriors have the potential to either decimate a team if their batting order clicks or if Sophie Eggleston does brilliant, but they can also entirely crumble. And despite the resistance from Sarah, who scored 45, the next high score was 17 from Grace Harris. And the main woman I want to talk about is Marizine Cap. Figures of three for five off four overs. What? It was ridiculous.
0: It was like dot, dot, one, dot, dot, wicket, wicket. Dot dot, <laughs> like it
1: was ridiculous. It's like a code. What's she trying to tell us through those those ones? It's like
0: Morse code. She's trying to say was trying to pass a message.
1: Is she saying I want to come on storylines? Oh, I think it is. I think that's, I think it is. I think that's a contract. I think we should enforce that. My God, Melissa, we should. We should. It's, it's definitely not. But it was so funny as well, because she tweeted after Shabna Mishmail got her her wickets for Mumbai Indians saying, I miss opening the bowling with you. Yes. And now did. she comes <laughs> in, gets three for five, almost one-ups her teammates. Be like, yeah, cool, your three wickets were cool, but like, I did it for 13 less runs. But it really does show. I mean, is she the best overseas player in the world right now? In terms of all-round options she gives you
0: you can definitely get your money's worth from her
1: but in the end rather yadav as well i've got to mention her she got four for 20 of her four and played a really important role in cleaning up the tail the up warriors ended with 119 for nine eek um and again eccleston batted at nine in the end dc almost chased it down with all wickets in hand but they lost meg lanning um, when she, when the scores were level, uh, she got fifty one and Shafali Verma sixty four not out in the end. It it feels like one of the most dangerous partnerships in in kind of franchise cricket if they're both in form that day because you have the fearless, you know, youthfulness of Shafali Verma who's prepared to leave those stumps entirely exposed to open up all these corners of the ground, and then you've just got the pure class and timing of Meg Lanning who never really looks. She's almost got that Owen Morgan like just never looks flustered at the crease. You can't really read her face, or even if it's like a pressure situation, you can't really tell from her body language. And I think that's just so, you know, smart as, a, as an opening batter. And, you know, it's just so, so good to, to see her back. And in the end, they chased it down in under 15 overs. We saw the final last year between DC and, and Mumbai Indians and, they just couldn't get, couldn't quite get there in the end because some things didn't add up. But you can definitely see the hints of Delhi Capitals again pushing it to those latter stages of the competition. Now, one thing I want to ask before we wrap things up is your thoughts on kind of like consistency of selection in competitions like this, particularly when teams can only play a certain number of overseas players. They might want to give certain domestic players a go, and you know, is there consideration for loyalty? How many? games should a player kind of get to fail or if they underperform how long do you think teams would be prepared to keep them on because it's hard this competition every game counts but you also don't want to kind of punish people for one bad performance or two bad performances put your selectors hat on nikki share your insight because i i don't have a clue
0: i think it's a hard one right because obviously you said it's all really thick and fast but then again especially if it's younger players you don't want to be like here you go one go here's your one match if you don't have it, because again, that can affect them confidence-wise, and that's, I think, hampering their confidence is a lot more damaging than them thinking that's a skill-based issue, if that makes any sense, but again, I think it's about establishing the roles in the team, knowing if your role is really important, so I don't think you can ever, if you haven't fulfilled your role, and you think you failed in that, that's then up for discussion, but I think, I think that's the main part, but yeah, it's a really hard one, especially in a tournament like this, when it's, it's also short if you compare it to the men's IPL, right? If the men, if it was as long as the men's IPL, you could like give a a player a run for their money and be like, right, you've got, you've had four games. If you don't perform now, like you'll be on the bench for the, after this one, right? And then you, then you'll be waiting for someone to get injured or something like that and to get another shot. Um, I think the fact that it's not that long is also harder. And of course, then players that have had that running history of success will probably get preference because you're like, I need to play my best playing 11. And these have been the most, most successful players on the, like, recently. So why will we re- then, like, play around and damage our chances of making it ahead? Potentially, then, obviously, if you're a side that doesn't make it to the qualifiers, then you can play around with it and you'll give someone... And if you know that from a hit, he- like, earlier on, right? It's a really hard one. Like,
1: as a selector, like, that's... It's not a job we
0: envy. Nah, I like I quite like sitting here on the
1: pod if I'm honest. Yeah, I like here just nibbling my food on the side. I love the fact that you said it's shorter than the men's competition. Nikki, I think the average life expectancy is shorter than the men's IPL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever gonna make it to the end of this year's competition.
0: You know what with the men's tournament, like I'm really like hyped up for the beginning. The middle bit, I'm just like, come on, just get on with it. And then the end, I'm like, yeah, who's going to qualify?
1: Do you always think it's a bit like a wedding, the men's IPL? Like, you're so excited when you arrive and you see, like, the bride walking down the aisle. And then the middle bit kind of all blends into one because you're like, oh, okay, this is fine. And then at the end, when everyone's on the dance floor, you're like, oh, yeah, this is good again. I'm, I'm back into this. But I guess also... It's, it's like a wedding. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like a <laughs> wedding, whilst I think... The WPL is just a really great night out. It's just like too many tequila shots and you're like, whoa. (laughs) You may like kind of regret binging it all in the end, but you had a really good time whilst it lasted. Right, thank you for listening to today's WPL Breakdown. We're going to be bringing you more of these across the competition as well as really strange, far-reaching metaphors, apparently, about franchise cricket. If you have any questions you'd like to ask us, then please do get in touch at Storylines Pod on Instagram or Twitter or email us storylinespod at gmail.com we are, well, I'm doing some research and we're going to be posting a little
0: questionnaire survey for those of you who listen to the podcast. So it would mean the world to me if you could just answer, answer the questions it's not going to take more than like two minutes of your time um just to know a bit about each and everyone's cricketing experiences their personal playing experiences and yeah you'll find out on the survey but please do spare two minutes to go
1: have a have a look and fill it up for me please thank you that's all good we know how passionate we are about grassroots cricket and this is all about encouraging and promoting it to try and get as many girls Involved as possible. Thank you so much for listening and speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.